we've been speaking on the help of the Holy Spirit. And this will fall right in place with it. And all of these messages are just all introduction to the point and the time when we begin to address specific issues about Holy, the Holy Spirit. But I've just got to prepare you sufficiently enough so that when we get there, you'll be able to flow with us. By the way, IBK and his wife just arrived from Nigeria this morning at 6 o'clock in the morning, something like that, just so you guys know. Uh, so we just have to get here, praise God. It needed to be here. It's good to see you, my friend. Dukwe, welcome back. Yeah, Dukwe, I'm going to confiscate your passport as well. Praise God, welcome back. First John chapter 1, verse 1. First John 1, 1. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. Let, let me just stop there for a minute. You know, last Sunday, my, uh, the pastor that ordained me and released me to the ministry was here, Pastor Bob Wright. And during the course of ministry, he mentioned the fact that uh, I had come to him three different times, uh, asking to be released to go into what we so-call full-time ministry, although I have a different definition of that now. And that for the first two times, he said no to me, and I went back and sat down, and then the third time, he finally said, okay, yeah, go. So during the week, Tonya was talking to me, and she asked me the question. And I never give this question any consideration until she asked me. And the question she asked me was, how did I feel those two times when the man said no to me? How did I take the no answer? When I had all the expectation, I thought I had prayed, I thought I had heard God, and I went to my pastor and I said, Pastor, I'm trying to do A, B, C. And he said, nope, with no explanation. And by the way, last Sunday afternoon at lunch, he finally gave me the explanation. Not only did he say no, I never asked him why. Twice. I wasn't angry. God is my witness. And my wife is here. I wasn't, it did not even occur to me to even say, man, this man don't believe in my gift. I'm packing, I'm going to the next church. No, no. No. I continued to elder. I was an elder. I just remained in my function and continued to do what I was placed to do in the church. So when she asked me the question, that was the first time anybody ever asked that question. And that was the first time I ever, the first time I ever considered what the question was. And immediately the answer came to me. Immediately. It's not rocket science. Why was I not offended? Why did I not get angry? Why did I not disconnect myself from the pastor or from the church? Why? Because love had been plentifully established. Prior to that time, 
there was no way I could convince myself that Pastor Bob did not love me. It didn't matter whether they put it on CNN, Fox News, New York Times, Washington Post. It did not matter who was saying it. He had already established beyond a reasonable shadow of doubt of his love and commitment. And as we just read in John, no, he didn't just write it in the book. I heard it, I saw it, I looked upon it. Now, I'm saying that to us because we are in different places right now. Different things are coming at you. There are different things you're asking God for, different promises that has been given to you, prophecies, expectations, and these things have not come to pass yet. And it is in those not coming to pass yet moments, the in-between, that is most perilous for most people. Because it is in those in-betweens that the enemy comes and says, did I not tell you? You thought the man loved you? You thought the woman loved you? Did I not tell you? If they loved you, would they not have done this and that? It is in those in-between moments that you are most vulnerable. That is the time the enemy is whispering all kinds of things to you. And if you are not established, not in your love for the person, that don't count at that time. Did you hear what I just said? It's not how much you love your pastor or you love your husband or you love your wife. No, it's how much the other person loves you. At that moment, that counts. And so, beyond a reasonable shadow of doubt, the man has showered me with scandalous love. For those of you who are here, I shared how I shared with him that I needed $20,000. Lala, can I just walk up to you and ask for 20K? 20, 20K? <laughs> he didn't check my credit. He didn't ask my, for my social security number. He didn't say, bank, let's sign a contract or agreement that you have to pay this back in 90 days. None of that. At my asking, he got up, got in his car, Went to the bank, got the cash to me, and handed it to me and walked away. I never came back asking me when am I, when am I going to get paid. That's just one of the, I know many of you guys, you, you, you reckon with money, so that's why I gave you that money aspect. <laughs> I could give you many other examples, but you can relate to money. Very well. I'm talking about 1991, $20,000. Was that a lot of money? Ah, so now a man who freely gave me 20,000 will now say to me, bank, you're not ready. I'll be fighting him. Oh. A man who did not ask me a question about what are you going to do, when are you going to pay me back, gave me $20,000 cash. Not made in Oluwole, this is real money. Not Ghanaian CD, not Italian lira, USD. Wow. I'll now be arguing with him about why, what? No! Love causes you to trust. Amen. 
Love causes you to what? Trust. The reason you and I are in this valley is because, number one, the love of God has not been fully appreciated by us. I know, I know, I know. I'm going to go to scriptures in a minute and then we're going to pray because I'm serious. I don't want this to be a never-ending message. I want it to be quick, to the point, because I want you to live with the point today. The first thing John said is, we've heard it, but we also saw it. Not only did we see it, we looked upon it. Pastor Lani was praying this morning. And one of the prayer points he, said, he led when he was uh, praying with the group was that God will help us to see. To see. Not to say that we are blind, that we are physically unable to see. Yes, we have eyesight, but beyond that, there is spiritual insight that you and I must get if we are going to walk with God. Because as long as we live in this world, there will be oppositions, there will be persecutions, there will be trials. Yes, those are part of life. But when you see and you know what you know, no matter how huge the opposition is, you are rest assured that you will stand. The reason we waver is because we have not seen something. Now, in the book of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 4, 2 Corinthians 4, 4, Paul was talking about unbelievers. He says their minds have been blinded by the gods of this age. Because think about it. Who in their right mind will know what you and I know about Jesus and will not accept him? But the reason the whole world is not running after him, wanting to be saved, is because their minds have been what? Blinded. So it says, whose minds the God of this age has blinded who do not believe? The reason they don't believe is because their minds have been blinded. Lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. So unbelievers do not believe because their minds are blinded. I wish I could tell you that's all. That is just only applies to unbelievers. Let's go to Acts chapter 26. Acts 26 verse 18. Acts 26, 18. Go to verse 17 first. I'm sorry, Shade. Acts 26, 17. Let me just. Okay. I will deliver you from the Jewish people. This is God speaking to Paul. If you, if you, if you open your own Bibles, you will see this in red. God is speaking to Paul. He said, I will deliver you from the Jewish people as well as from the Gentiles to whom I now send you. Okay, Paul, what's, what's your mission going to be? I'm sending you to the Gentiles. What's your mission? Verse 18. What's the first thing God said to Paul? Why? Are they all physically blind? No. No. But the first menu on this agenda is to open their eyes. Why, God? He explains it. In order 
to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. Why? Why is all of this? That they may receive forgiveness of sins and... So it's not just a matter of being forgiven. You are going to be forgiven or you are already forgiven. But beyond and above that, and inheritance among those who are sanctified by faith in me. So there's inheritance in the balance. For those of us that are already born again, forgiven. But you will not see that inheritance if your eyes are not open. Your eyes must be open. Say after me, say, my eyes are opening. Say, Lord, help me to see. Amen. Amen. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. So we know for unbelievers, their eyes or their minds have been blinded by the God of this age. So they don't see what God is saying. So they cannot comprehend. So they cannot come into the knowledge of God. How about for believers? First Corinthians chapter 2. Give it to me from verse 5. So Paul is now talking to the church at Corinth. And we pick it up from verse 5. That your faith should not be in the wisdom of men... But in the power of God, verse 6. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. Verse 7. Give me verse 8. Give me verse 9. <laughs> Thank you. But as it is written, what's the first thing Paul mentions? Have not what? Eyes have not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has what? Is it things he's going to prepare? Past tense. Church, please don't miss this. And this is why I don't want to talk too much this, mo this morning, really, because I want you to get this. He has already prepared these things. He's not going to do it. He has already done it. These things have been prepared. The, the problem, religion, churchianity will not allow me and you to believe it's already done. We keep on thinking we have to do good to get good. That's what religion has taught us. But every account we have in scriptures indicate it's a finished, completed job. He has prepared it. I mean, all you have to do is compare scripture with scripture. Question, how much work did Adam and Eve have to work to eat? Isn't it amazing that the trees were already bearing fruit before God brought them forth? He did not create them to sweat, toil, and work to eat. Food, animals, 
everything they would ever need to survive, the right climate, the whole nine yards were already provided and prepared, and then he made them. To help you and I know, God don't need your help. It's already prepared. Everything is done. Ready, good to go. But religion says no bank. No, 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 no bank. You have to be in church every day of the week. You better not miss a song service. You cannot pray for 59 minutes. It has to be at least one hour. And if you dare speak in an ugly way to your wife or to your husband, oh, your, your blessing for that week is gone. It's gone. It's canceled. Now, is it important to be in church? Yes. Is it important to pray? Absolutely. Because if you don't pray, you will not put yourself in a position to receive what God has for you. You have to pray. Should you be nice to your spouse? Absolutely. Should you be nice to your children? Yes. All of those things do you good. It doesn't move God. Right. Oh, my goodness. All of those things are good. But they are not the reason for which God is blessing you. You need to understand that. The reason I'm going in this vein is because I want to see a, a wholesale manifestation of God's goodness among everybody. Amen. Not just a few people. I want everyone, every day, to have testimonies of God's goodness and blessings upon them. But it will only happen when you are seeing the right things. That's the point of contention. What are you seeing? Are you seeing problems, 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 or you are seeing solution, solution, solution in and through the finished work of Christ? Not solution because you did something, but solution because of what he had done. This is the huge gulf between two believers. The difference is, what are you seeing? I'm going to take you to scriptures. Because you need to get this. Because if you can get this, you can receive everything. See, once I start focusing on my problems, I cut God off. Now, Pastor, are you saying I should not acknowledge that I have a challenge? Should I not acknowledge that things are not going well? Should I? No, 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 no. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. You acknowledge them within the context of understanding it's already solved. You do not make your problem a God. No. No. Yes, there are issues. Yes, there's challenges. Yes, things are happening. But you know, God, you know what? I know you've already fixed it. And this is how I know. Let me give you one little example there. I'm going to take you to the scriptures. Remember the passage 
I believe it's Matthew chapter 14, I can't remember exactly where, where the storm was raging, Jesus was not on a boat with his disciples, and all of a sudden they saw him walking on the water. The Bible said they saw him walking on the water. And when they saw him, they cried out to him and said to him, if this is you, bid me, that's Peter speaking, bid me to come walk on water with you. So when the request was made, Peter was looking at him. And Jesus said, come. And he started walking on water. Why? Because his eyes were on who? Jesus. But then the circumstance of life happened around Peter. He saw the storm that was boisterous and the rage of the storms. And rather than keep his eyes on who called him to come, he began to look at the storm. The moment he took his eyes off of Jesus and looking at his circumstance, he started to sink. That's what happens to us every day. You get a phone call. This bill must be paid. You're shaking, you're nervous, you lose your peace. Oh my God, you lose appetite. You don't know what to do. For the next two hours, you are focusing on the bill, totally relegate Jesus to the backside. And he is your designated helper. The comforter, the Holy Spirit, who has been sent to help you. So now you kick him aside, you begin to try to solve the problem on your own. He said, I'm going to let you do it. Because you have not seen my finished work in this area of your life. You want to fix it? Go ahead. You forgot. I kicked the walls down for you. You forgot. I canceled every lie for you. Now you got a phone call from a bill collector. You forgot all of that. I'll let you do it. You frustrate yourself, you can't get it done. Then you come back five hours later, you pray. Come on. Let's go to the scripture because I want us to pray. First, let's go to Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Luke chapter 4. Lord, help me to see. Luke chapter 4, verse 18. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. We can stop right there. Did you hear what you said just yet? Did you notice, watch this, did you notice Jesus did not say he was sent to heal the lame? He did not say, I'm anointed so that the deaf could hear. He did not say, I'm anointed so the dead can be raised. Did you notice what he said? Preach the gospel to the poor. Set oppressed free. Let the captives go and recovery of sight to the blind. Excuse me, Jesus. Is this your job description? Because if this is your job description, you've not told us how you're going to raise Jairus' daughter from the dead. 
You've not told us how you're going to cleanse the lepers. You, you, didn't, you didn't say that. Does that mean you're not going to do those things? You notice what Jesus has done? He's put all the possible needs you and I will have in one line item. Recovery of sight to the blind. The reason you have not been able to possess your healing is not because it's not available. You are just blind to it. The reason you are broke is not because it's not made provision for your prosperity. It's already done. It's made. But you are just blind to where your prosperity is. That one line is a catch-all line. Catch-all. Because if I can give you sight, yeah. you won't need me to show you how to go to uh, Bank of America. <laughs> if I can give you if, you, if you, if you can see, ah, I won't have to teach you about how to measure the cabinet. If you can see, then everything else you need is packaged in your ability to see or to receive enlightenment. That's why Paul the Apostle prayed in Ephesians chapter 3 that the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened. There is wealth, there's blessings all around us. We're just stumbling, going on. We are not seeing them. Yes. Lord, open my eyes that I may see the potentials of your blessings for me today. I'm not asking you to bless me because I know you, you've already done it. But I'm asking you, help me to see what shelf, oh my God, this inheritance with my name on, where is it right now so I can go and find it? Because it's already there. Let me just close by giving you a classic example from scriptures. Classic. I'll give you two. First Kings. Oh, man, I'm have to give you three. First Kings, chapter 18. Now, you're going to see the role of prayer now in a minute. First Kings 18, verse 42. First Kings 18, verse 42. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees and said to his servant, now his face between his knees is a posture of praying, and said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. What did he say for him to, do, to go do? Ah, okay, look. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. So Elijah He's telling his servant, we need to pray. But I want you to go and see what God has done. So I can let the king know what's about to happen. The servant went out there and saw absolutely nothing. And he came back to Elijah the master and said, I know you told me to go, I just did, I didn't see anything. What did Elijah say? He said, go back seven times. These is where prayer comes in. You don't quit because you did not see a manifestation the first time. Assuming you are praying the right prayer. 
You are persistent. Why? Because you have seen something in your spirit. Seven times is the number of perfection. In your case, it may be 41 times. It could be 53 times. It could be two times. But the point here is you don't quit because you know it's a finished work. You continue to thank God and to press in until you receive the performance and the manifestation of what God has promised. Elijah did not quit. He said, go back seven times because I know what I've seen. And finally on the seventh time, the servant went and came back and said, yes, you are right. I saw a cloud. Only though the size of a man's hand. And I just said, that's enough. Mm. <sighs> Don't miss the small things that God is doing in your life. Amen. Those small things are the indicator that the big ones is on the way. Don't miss the opportunity to say, thank you for five dollars. Thank you for fifteen dollars. Thank you for twenty dollars. Because when you have a thankful attitude for the small things, uh, behold, the big things are on the way. Can we give God a little shout right there? Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. All this was a cloud. Elijah said, thank you for that. That's, that's big enough. They brought Jesus. How many loaves? Two loaves and five fishes. Yeah. I'm on a multitude. What is that? Did they scan them? This is too small. Come on. Do you know who I am? He received it and gave thanks. And the thanks multiplied yes. what seemed to be little to meet the needs of many. Amen. Don't tell me what God cannot do. Second example. In the book of Luke, chapter 18. I won't read this because I just I want I want I want us to pray. You read the story of blind Bartimaeus, whom the Bible said was at the place begging for arms. This guy was a beggar. Please, this is not a rocket science question. What do beggars do, Professor? They beg. Thank you. Thank you. Beggars do what? That's what they do. Beggars beg. Blind Bartimaeus was a blind man who also was a beggar. He was on the roadside. Jesus was passing that side. He heard the turmoil and the, and the noise. Ah, what is going on? I know I can't say, but I'm hearing some things. What is happening? And they told him, Jesus of Nazareth passes by. What? Jesus, the one I heard about? Yes, he's passing by. He began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Notice his request. Even though he was a beggar, he was not asking for arms. Even though begging was in his DNA, on this day, he was not asking for arms. He said, give me mercy. Yes. Yes. Because with your mercy, the issue of arms will be taken care of. So Jesus stopped 
And I asked him a pointed question. What do you want? This man who lived as a beggar, up to that point, he didn't ask for arms, which would be the normal thing to ask for because he's a beggar. He said, just give him my sight. Ooh. Hallelujah. Give him my sight. Because if I can see, hey, I can see your provision. Our problem, it's not that God has not provided. Our problem, we are blinded to his provision. So blind Bartimaeus said, just let me see. If I can see, I can go and get the goods. Because I know you have already made a way. Lord, help me to see. Your goodness in the land of believing. One last one, Pastor Shana, if you just come, Pastor Tosin, if you just come, because I want us to pray. One last one. Second Kings chapter six. Second Kings chapter six. I only want to pray for those this morning who say, God, help me to see what you're doing. Help me to see what you're doing. Help me to see your work in my life. Because I am convinced that God has already done it. That, that is not even up for discussion. Our problem is we should change ourselves because we don't see it. And then we speak death out of our mouth because we've not seen. Second Kings chapter 6. In verse 14. Therefore, he sent horses and chariots and a great army there, and he came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And the servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Now let, let me set up the context there. The king of Syria was planning to attack Israel. And as he's coming up with strategies and plans for the attack, Elisha will reveal it. So the king said, what is going on? How, 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 does, how does Israel know what, what I'm about to do? And the servants of the king of Syria said, oh, there's a prophet in Israel. Even the things you talk about in your bedroom, he knows it. What? To show you how stupid this king was. Everything he's doing, the man of God is revealing it, and yet he still had the audacity. He wants to attack the man. So he planned to go and attack the man. And so that's what we've just read. Therefore he, the king of Syria, sent horses and chariots and a great army there. And they came by night and surrounded the city. And when the servant of the man of God arose early and went out, there was an army surrounding the city with horses and chariots. And his servant said to him, Alas, my master, what shall we do? Please note this. Two people were in the same situation. Elisha and his servant. They were in the exact same circumstance. They were both under attack. The servant was anxious, fretful, and fearful. And the servant said to the master, what are we going to do? Look at all these guys around us. We're in trouble. We are going down. They cannot repossess the house. The car will be gone. All of the calamities you can think of. Mm. The man of God said, chill. Mm. 
Yeah. Now, the man of God is seeing the same things. Yes. He's not denying that the attack is not there. But he's looking at something bigger than the attack. That's the problem with the body of Christ. We elevate the attack above God. That is our problem. The man of God said, forget it. He said, God, okay, I won't, even, I won't try to convince you. All I can do is, God, open his eyes. Let, let him see what I'm saying. Oh, God, yes. Let's read it. Verse 16. So he answered, do not fear. For those who are with us are more than those who are with them. Yes. And Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray open his eyes that he may see. Then the Lord opened the eyes of the young man and he saw and behold the mountains was full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. So did the mountain just got filled when Elijah, Elisha prayed? No. They were there all along. And they are there in your life even now. They are there. The angels are already placed on assignment concerning your life as we speak. This is the key. They only hearken to the voice of the word of God. They don't, they don't respond to your emotions. They don't respond to all the sentimental religious things we've practiced and we're speaking. No. Read it in the word of God. The angels who are assigned for your case, they only hearken to the voice of the word of God, not how I feel, not what happened to my grandmother, not this and that. No, they don't respond to that. So you and I must pray that God will open our eyes so we'll see the potential of the help he's already given And in the comfort of that help, you can have your problems beginning to disappear. And so, Father, I thank you for every man and every woman. Under the sound of my voice, whoever God needs the assurance of their eyes being opened to see the potential of your finished work, I pray that today, 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 that they have their eyes opened. So they will see you in your glory. They will see you in your majesty. They will see you in your power. They will see you how badly you want to get involved. How badly you want to bless them. How badly you want to bring to pass your plans concerning them. Thank you, Father. And Lord God, if there's anyone here today that does not know you, that's where it starts. If they don't know you, they are not born again. Holy Spirit, I thank you that even now as we speak, that you are touching their hearts, you are ministering to them, you are giving them the courage to take a stand, to take a position that they may be born again. Because the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. And so Father, we thank you. We thank you. And so now at this point, you need prayer. Pastor Larry, come. Pastor Mary, please come.